Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Have you ever noticed when you move into a new apartment or even to a new house that however big the house is or however big the apartment is, you feel like you have to fill it. If your apartment is a two-bedroom apartment, you, you feel like you have to fill each room. If it's a three-bedroom apartment, you have to fill each room. If you have a house that's 2,000 square feet, you have to fill it. If for some reason you have a house that's 6,000 square feet, even if you can't afford it, you feel like you have to fill it. For us as human beings, it's, it's, it's nature for us. It's almost godlike for us that we build the space around us, and then after we build the space, we fill it just like God. Remember, God first built all of creation, then he fills it with the animals, with the birds, with the fishes, and with people. We, as God's people, we are built and, and wired to fill things that we build around us. And when we see something that's empty, when we see something that's missing, we get anxious. This room needs to, to look the way it is. Our passage today has some relation to that, in that we as God's people are always looking to fill our lives with something to bring us meaning. 
And this passage follows the passage beforehand in chapter, um, earlier in the chapter, about laying up treasures in heaven and not laying up treasures here. That our duty before God is not to serve God and something else, but to serve God alone. And for us to understand this passage that we just read here today, we have to first understand our hearts in terms of what are we building. For whatever it is that we are building, we are looking to fill it with. And God is asking us as his people, are we building in our, in our lives and in our hearts a temple suitable to be filled with God's spirit? Are we, filling, are we building in our lives an emptiness that can only be filled by God's word, that can be only be filled as we love other people and, and, and nurture other people in the faith? Are we building other things that can be only filled with the things of this world? We often think that we can serve two things. We often think that we can serve three things. We often try to compartmentalize our lives in such a way that we can have everything. But once we try to have everything, God says, you've lost me. And you have nothing. You cannot serve both God and manna or God and money, as the scriptures say, at the same time. The reason why we are anxious is not so much because we, we've, uh, um, uh, it's not so much because psychologically there's something wrong with us. We're anxious because we're trying to serve two different things. I implore you in your own life right now, look what you're building. Look what you're dreaming about in your head. Whatever you're building in that architectural world in your head, in your life, that's what you'll fill it with. I always never understood cars. And I still to this day don't understand Jay Leno. Jay Leno built this huge garage. Why? Fill it with chairs, fill it with food, fill it with cars. There's a purpose for the structure he's building. For us, what are you building in your hearts? Do you lay room there for the Lord to come and settle? you lay room in your hearts for the stranger to come and be welcomed? Do you lay room in your hearts that you fill it with the love of God's Spirit? For you serve God and build that structure for God. Not only will God come, but you and your heart will desire for him to come and to rest and to be there. In our passage today, following the passage before, he's saying basically, therefore, 
if you are serving God, if you know that God is the only reason for, for us to exist, stop being anxious. Stop worrying. Stop allowing these thoughts of doubt and thoughts of preservation and thoughts of life, what is life, worry you and circle in your head. The people in the ancient world worry what we worry about here today as well. They worry about food, although we do have a slightly different, le different level here in the States. They worry about clothing, not only for, to, to protect themselves, but how they will look as well. And they worry about all the basics that, that we worry about today. And God is saying to them, stop and look. I am the providential God who has provided for all things. Look at the beauty around you. Who created it? Who provided it? Look at the animals out there who get, who get to eat. The, who provides the meal? God does. In the same way, God looks upon you, his people, and says, if I can take care of these and dress these, will I not take care of you? And we have to wake up. Our duty before God is just to wake up and to see that whatever God, whatever is happening in our lives, God will provide for us. He says here, is there any one of you, by being anxious, can you add a single hour to the span of your life? By worrying, by being anxious, does it even add an hour to your life? And God says, then why worry if the answer is no? Why spend that time? Why spend that energy worrying about things that God desires to give to you? He says here that only the Gentiles run after these things. And by the word Gentile here in the scriptures, he doesn't mean just, you know, he's not saying Gentiles are bad, but he's saying in contrast to those who are part of the family of faith as those who are not, they run after those things. But God knows he'll provide them for you. Let me ask you, my brothers and sisters in your 20s and some in your 30s, what is it that you worry about? What is it that consumes your mind? Children, parents, money, relationships. Has not God been faithful to you thus far? And when you look at your life, can you really say that you were the one 
because of your hard work and effort, that that's all that was in play for you getting that job? Can you really say that it was because of your good looks, your wonderful personality, that you were able to get that spouse that you have? Or was it not than the providence of all things that God provided for you? God provided for you exactly what you need to satisfy you that you may thank him. God is telling us, do not be anxious about all of these things or any of these things. But there's only one thing for us to do if we have set apart Jesus as Lord in our hearts. If we indeed have said we worship God and not manna. And that is to continue to seek his kingdom first. And nothing else. That as we seek his kingdom, all these other things shall be given and added to us as well. Brothers and sisters, seek what God loves. Seek what God seeks to redeem. Seek to find your joy in Him. Let the Lord's presence in your life be what changes you and encourages you. Now, many of you will say, and we, we all do this, we say, I get it, but I, I still need other things, don't I? I still need to sort of hold on to, you know, doing good in my work. I still need to hold on to, um, you know, working on my relationships and things like that. And the answer is yes. But it's within the context of what? Of seeking God's kingdom and not your own. In your workplace, you seek God's kingdom. In your relationships, you seek God's kingdom. In all things, you forget yourself to seek what God um, has given. You, you seek to have God's kingdom manifest in all these things. Let me encourage you by saying this. We know that our Savior himself is the quintessential model for this. Jesus did not save you with a condition. Jesus did not save you by only giving some of himself to you. And Jesus did not look upon you and say, you know what, you know, they, you know, they need a hundred bucks, okay, here's a hundred bucks, here, go do what you need. I'll go and do what I have to do, and we say thank you in Jesus. But we know that through the Gospels, that the, 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 the good news is not that Jesus or God has given some things to us, but that Jesus has loved us completely and fully. Remember in Matthew chapter 4, 
And Jesus went through the same thing as you did. He was tempted by the devil. The devil said, look, make these stones into bread so you can eat. And remember, Jesus was, was wandering in the desert. No food. And what does Jesus say? Man does not live by bread alone. But on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus was tempted with power. Throw yourself in the highest mountain and I will make you ruler of all things. Give you wealth. Jesus says, away from me, Satan. Jesus himself understands and knows that in order to love his people and to, and to do the work of God, that he had to completely empty himself of who he was. And God did it for you. Jesus himself left all things to make you wealthy, to make you rich in him. And our duty is to take that wealth of his presence in, his, our, in our lives and to make that the focus and the, the joy of all that we do for all others. You know, there's a, 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 a number of us who are going to the CCF conference um, coming up this week. And counseling in our church, as many of you know, is deeply important to us to be able to listen to the struggles and the strifes that each one of us has. But our duty is not simply to listen, just to have a shoulder to cry on. Our job isn't to simply sort of have a cathartic release of, oh yeah, my life is difficult. But our duty is to help people to break out of their imprisonment from the things that they are worshiping and to start building a house or a place where they see that the Lord indeed is all that they need. That whatever circumstance, whatever trial, whatever stage of life, that I can be satisfied in the Lord and the Lord himself. Genesis chapter 22 is a magnificent passage for both the Jews and the Christians alike. It is the, it's the passage on the binding of Isaac. And I think many of you know this story. Uh, God tells Abraham, go sacrifice your son. Go, go to the mountain uh, to, to make a sacrifice. And when they go out there, you know, he, he's there to sacrifice his son Isaac. And Abraham, in his, in his um, obedience to the Lord, but you can, you can feel the tension that God is asking me to sacrifice my one and only son. That he actually binds his son and prepares his son. He actually takes the knife and he's ready to, 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 to kill his son. And as... Abraham takes the knife to, to plunge it into Isaac. The Lord appears and says, stop. And he provides for him a, 
uh, a ram in the, in the bushes or in a thicket to, to sacrifice instead. And God, at that point, uh, is called the God who provides. Uh, in our English, we say Jehovah Jireh, and there's a, there's a song that we sing as kids, Jehovah Jireh. In Hebrew, it's, it's, it's Adonai Yireh. And this is my, one of my favorite um, names for the Lord, the God who provides, or Adonai Yireh. But that word Yireh does not literally mean provide. But that word Yireh literally means seize. So when it says that God provides, what we're saying to our Lord is that God sees. And then we count upon his character as the God who sees, is that when he sees that his people are in need, when he sees that his people need salvation, he acts righteously and justly. He isn't a God who sees and is indifferent. He isn't a God who sees and has to sort of calculate. But his character, that when he sees, he goes and he serves his people. And God wants us to see as his people that he sees all that is going on in your lives. There's nothing in your life that you do not know, that he does not know. When he looks upon you, he's not indifferent to the circumstances in your life. He's not indifferent to what's happening in your heart. He's not indifferent. He's not just standing off, just sort of wondering what you're going to do next. But God is intimately involved in everything that you are doing. And just as God himself stopped Abraham sacrificing his son, God himself will provide for you what you need at the moment to have peace in your life and to worship him. Take heart. Our God is not blind. Take heart. Our God is not powerless. Take heart. He sees and he can do. And that is our God and that is what he does for you and me. Our duty before him don't be anxious. Pragmatically, what does that look like? One, I encourage all of you to now not allow, allow thoughts to just sort of percolate in your mind. That's sort of where the danger comes. When we're by ourselves and we're just sort of letting thoughts go through our mind, usually the thoughts don't, don't go up. The thoughts usually go down. At the very least, speak out your thoughts. Listen to what you are thinking and rebuke yourself. Listen to see how silly some of the things that are going in your head actually sound like when you say them out loud. Name those things and say to yourself, I do not have to worry about this. 
I don't have to be anxious about this. I don't have to be angry about this because the Lord will provide. All I need to do is seek his kingdom first and he will give all that I need. Let those words out. Second practical thing. God does, God helps people to grow when they're in community, not when they're alone. Satan will pick off people one by one. But it's when you're in community with somebody and you, and you vocalize what you're going through. They can, they can say to you, Pastor Young, stop worrying. What's your problem? You need to repent. And if the Spirit is in me, the Spirit is in you, we might not like what's been said, but we know that what you said is right and good for us. And so we verbalize that to one another in community, that we can rebuke one another and help one another to grow. Brothers and sisters, lastly, God does not say here in this passage that there's not going to be any trouble at all. But God says there's enough trouble for the day. In other words, God has given you work to do for today. It's not as if God's going to let things go, you know, squeaky clean every day for you. It's not that there's not things to worry about for today. It's not that there's not things to be responsible for today. And don't think that the Christian life is simply about I believe in Jesus and everything should go nice and smooth for me. There is still a yoke that you carry for God. There's work to be done for God. But that yoke that he says is light and easy for you compared to the yoke of this world. So wake up each morning. What's the work I have to do for the Lord today? What's the job I have to go to today? What do I need to do for my family today? What do I need to do for this world today? And ask the Lord, Lord, how can I serve you this day as you have served me? Brothers and sisters, be reflective, be thoughtful. Share with one another your sinful thoughts. Then rebuke each other and say to one another, all we need is Christ. And let him satisfy us. Let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, on this uh, warm day, this humid day, Lord, the, the body right now, as I look at everyone here today, it's heavy. Um, people are tired. Um, our flesh is weak. Um, Lord, but we've come here today to worship you, and even in the midst of all that, Lord God. Lord, we confess to you that we need your presence strong in our lives. We need you to help us to see you and to worship you.
And Lord, help us, Lord, to, to look upon all creation and see your goodness there. And as people who know you or have been known by, by, your, um, by your son, Jesus, help us, Lord, as we reflect on creation, to reflect upon your goodness to us, Lord God. Lord, help us not to worry about outcomes in the future, but help us simply to be faithful to you each and every day to do your kingdom work, Lord, wherever we may be. Lord, we pray, Lord, for our brothers and sisters who are out of town and for the college students on the retreat, that you would be with them, Lord God. That on this Sunday, this Sabbath day, that your presence would um, be large in their lives and that you would be encouraging them to walk with you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.